0: To Red Couch Banks, I'm Vivek Jacob, and today I am joined by a special guest. We have Michael Singh, managing editor at wakingthered.com, and we are here to break down Manchester United's surprise 2 1 loss to Istanbul Basak Sahir. Michael, what the hell did we just watch? (laughs)
1: <laughs>
0: it's hard to put into
1: words what we just had to endure. But it kind of sums up where Manchester United are right now. Obviously, they come into this match top of top of their group after some, some great wins. And then they put in a performance like this. That they, they struggled to find an identity. I think, you know, we're what, 101 games into Only Gunner Solskjaer's tenure? And mm-hmm. he... You can argue that this club still doesn't have a a philosophy, a, a clear identity. It gets right into, I guess, I think what we want to talk off the start is the formation. And I think this is maybe the, the fourth or fifth different formation United have used in the last like seven, eight games. Obviously, that diamond midfield didn't work uh, the other day, but it did work against Leipzig. Uh, so I guess, you know, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was left kind of scrambling again to try and muster up what he thought would win this game and from the get-go i guess it wasn't it um
0: i want to get your thoughts yeah. i
1: guess on that yeah
0: so ole turned to the 4-1-3-2 and dean henderson got the start ahead of david degea uh, van de Beek, we finally saw him play alongside bruno fernandez that's something we've been waiting to see Zebe steps in for lindelof Mata plays on the right and Playing the one defensive midfielder, usually you know if it's a big game or if he's wary of the opponent's attacking threat, he'll go to Fred and Scott as the two defensive midfielders to have that added protection. Obviously didn't feel the need for that in this match, so that's why he goes with the one defensive midfielder in Matic. Mm -hmm. And we saw that hurt them very early on. And honestly, this was... Just a completely inexplicable goal to concede early. <laughs> United have the ball off a corner. And for the life of me, and and, and you know what? You can criticize the structure uh, on this corner, but for me, it comes down to leadership and accountability and communication. And when you look at a corner like that, you have Maguire in the box and you have... Twanzebe going in the box, and now Matic is marking Dembaba and is basically the last man back. And yeah. then you play it short. If Tuanzebe and Maguire are going to be in the box, you need to put it in there right away. Yeah, make sure you, you get it in. And then Juan Bisaka is playing a low cross. You don't need both Maguire and Tuanzebe in the box for that. One of them can hand back. And that's where, again, it comes down to leadership and communication for me. Because if Istanbul is playing one forward up in Dembaba, Den- Den- those two central defenders have to be in communication of who is going to be accountable. And if you're saying, hey, both of us are going to be in the box and you're holding Matic accountable, then Matic needs to follow through. And he left Dembaba all by himself. Right.
1: I I totally agree with everything you said. It, it's almost comical. It it really is comedy there, just because I couldn't believe what I was watching. It was like almost House League, where Demba Ba knew the the rules of the game, where it offsides were that you just had to hold that halfway line, and United didn't. They're like, oh, okay, you know, he's he's past our our last man. Like we're good. It, it just <laughs> I, I couldn't believe what Matt turned over his shoulder and he saw Demba Ba racing away. Um, again, like you pointed out leadership and and obviously there are a few question marks about this team but that's again the problem we're 101 games into Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's tenure and I'm talking about philosophy you're talking about leadership we're also talking about formations like there's so many we don't there's not one solution I think clear solution to this problem and I think again this this game was a perfect epitome of that
0: yeah and then one of the other problems I felt that United had in, in general in at least the first half of the match was how much they were getting attacked down the right side. And that has generally this season been such a strong suit of theirs defensively because of the work that Juan Bissaka has been doing. But I felt as though Istanbul identified Juan Mata as someone that they could take advantage of. Uh And they did. And, continually they kept overloading that left side and they were able to get crosses in. I mean, Juan Bisaka usually, like you can't even get a cross in on this guy, but continuously they were able to get down that their left side and get balls into the box. And then they United end up conceding that second goal because Juan mata gives the ball away, is unable to get back because again, he doesn't have the physicality to commit the foul as soon as he loses it or doesn't have the speed to get back. And then you have, and frankly, you can blame Luke Shaw for this as well, because when the ball is played across to Demba Ba, Demba Ba plays a perfect dummy, which Harry Maguire falls for. And then the ball is just laid off perfectly. I mean, I have to say it was uh, a clinical strike by Visa, but again, where's Luke Shaw and where's the physicality to prevent something like that?
1: yeah class by dembaba i can't believe that united are getting schooled by a, I don't know like a 2015 premier league i don't even want to call them all star team because they're not even all stars it's just regular players <laughs> um and they they're making the united look like schoolboys out there that 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 dummy class uh, we got to appreciate that class but again the defending there's so many question marks there why why are they overplaying that so hard yes dembaba's been the threat early on but there's, there's a full soccer game that you guys are dominating out there and there's no way that you guys should be scrambling at the back. It, it, again, obviously you pointed out that that left hand side. Juan mata i I love Juan mata and I, I don't want to slander him at all, but he's he's not someone who should be appearing so often in these games. Um, he has played really well of late, but if he's the guy that you're turning to to you know be that difference maker in this this squad, I don't know. I don't know. I, it's tough for yeah. I, I see. I see why you have Mata in there because he is that game breaker, and you know, you know, uh, this team's gonna park the bus, and one Mata can pull the strings. But United have to be better than this. Have to be able to have other players be able to do that. You can't rely on just Juan Mata to be able to play as a number ten. It, it, it just doesn't work. You got to be better than that.
0: Again, I do feel one uh, feel bad for Juan Mata, just like you, because of how well he's played in the limited opportunities that he's got. Uh-huh. But I do wonder if when you look at this fixture coming into, let's face it, any match that you play in Turkey, there is a general sort of blueprint of how the match is going to be played. The the opposition is going to be extremely physical. You're going to have to really fight to win those 50, 50 balls And you are going to have to have your own level of physicality that you can bring to a match like this. So for me, when I look at the starting lineup and I see Van de Beek and Bruno and Mata all together, I almost wonder if those three together is almost too cute against that type of opposition. Mm -hmm. You need to
1: have guys going through the lines. You need to have guys going in between the lines. It's got to be that balance. And, you know, United were playing obviously too much on, on the ladder there. I loved when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, when, he, when Donny Van de Beek, when he was first brought over here, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was asked, can you play Van de Beek, Pogba, and Fernandes together? And he, he was confident that he could. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, how how far are we into Van de Beek's tenure? And I think we've seen them on the field together maybe once, maybe twice, right. if I'm not mistaken. Um, those guys are the guys who, who are the difference makers. And I think, let me preface everything, I guess, Let's go back here a little bit. I don't think we are close to seeing what Manchester United's best squad is yet. I don't think mm-hmm. we've seen Cavani start. Question: Maybe he, he's not in their best starting lineup, but I don't think we've seen him start. We haven't. We've seen one game out of Alex Tellez, who I thought is, you know, he's he's absolutely great. Um, he's a different class on on this team on the left hand side. He brings especially something on
0: different. the left. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. He's refreshing out there. Just he has a different type of composure out there. Um, so he adds a different element to the squad completely. So I still I still don't know what this team looks like, which is, I guess, going back to my original point, there's
0: no identity in the squad yet. And I just don't know what the answer is. Yeah, and to the point of identity, I feel like Solskjaer's preferred identity is, again, that counterattacking style. Mm-hmm. I feel like, again, when he goes up against those big teams, it just fits perfectly into his plans of how he wants to play. Yeah. When he now has to be the assertive one, that's where he struggles to find a solution. You know, we can we can touch on the goal United scored. I thought Luke Shaw, on a positive note, did well to create space for himself uh, and to cross for Marshall, A beautiful header into the corner of the net to pull one back immediately after Istanbul scored and make it a 2-1 game heading into halftime. Instead of being down 2-0, I'm saying, okay... There you go, you've got something positive to build on. But going into the second half, Juan Mata, I just don't think he was the right fit for this match. And that was more the substitution I was expecting over what we saw, which Mm -hmm. was Tuan Zebe coming off for Scott McTominay and Nemanja Matic moving into central defense.
1: I did actually like that a little bit, just because United did need to get back into this game and Twanzeb was what he was struggling obviously with Dembaba
0: yeah this was definitely not the PSG Twanzebate
1: yeah yeah for sure let's definitely get that out of the way but I thought managed they needed someone to bring the ball out of the back a little bit more than you know just Harry Maguire um, I thought they needed better ball playing out of there and I thought he did bring that a little bit in the second half I thought he settled the game down a little bit but I don't know it wasn't it wasn't that killer sub again and it's not, you don't want to see Scott McTominay. No disrespect again to Scott McTominay. I just don't want to see him as that, you know, that game breaking sub when,
0: when you're down a goal, right? That goes into the substitutions that came later. We saw in the 60th minute that Edinson Cavani and Paul Pogba came on for Juan Mata and Donny Van de Beek. Then in the 75th minute, you had Mason Greenwood and Falsu Mensa coming in for Marcus Rashford and Aaron Juan Bissaka. And now again, I think this goes back to Solskjaer's struggles in being the assertive manager because all these attacking players came on and I honestly could not understand what United's system was. Uh They had all this talent on the pitch, but you didn't see how they were going to create a goal. They finally had that one last minute goal line clearance that (laughs) came off... An Istanbul player, it it wasn't even going to be courtesy of them. They looked confused. They looked like they didn't know how to play with each other. They had no chemistry whatsoever. They were square pegs in round holes. And that's pretty much how that second half played out. At no point did I feel confident that as much possession as they had and as much as Istanbul sat back, I never felt like there was a goal coming.
1: I don't disagree with anything that you said there. I'm kind of disappointed in, in Mason Greenwood a little bit. Not that he hasn't really given, been given the opportunity, but, you know, he was advertised to be the Manchester United right-wing. Like, they don't need Jadon Sancho. They got Mason Greenwood, as I saw that all the time. And pff, he hasn't been able to, to replicate that of late. It's it's a system, though. I think everything just goes back to the system and the philosophy, and they're not really being put into, as you said, there's there's no structure out there when, when all these guys came on. They're not being put into position, positions to succeed right now. Sure, you, you can argue that Solskjaer is, doesn't have Manchester United's full repertoire of players available to him, but which manager does on every given day. you got to find ways to make it work, and this is just not a recipe for success right now. It's, it's, I just don't know where Man United will go from here. I'm kind of at a loss for words with this.
0: The two goals that were given up were just completely inexcusable, right? And we saw in the first half it, there was a lack of a certain assertiveness. I thought with Arsenal playing from the back in that fixture that United would be pressing, that there would be uh, an expectation of, okay, they're going to play the ball from the back. We're going to press up. We're going to force the issue. There was none of that. Now, again, in this one, they were just a little bit casual, right? And the giveaways, I thought there were a lot of sloppy passes. And again, you know, not to be too critical because you want that creativity from Bruno and Van de Beek, but I thought they were just trying to be a little too cute with the passing. And um, that's what led to some of the giveaways on the, uh, on the flip side. I do think this was one, uh, one of Bruno's worst performances in a United shirt. And I think the frustration grew as the match went on. And even from, you know, just a patient standpoint standpoint, when it comes to those final 30 minutes, uh, I thought he was trying to send long balls when they weren't there. I thought he was make, trying to make passes when they weren't there. And I feel like this has been a trend when he does get frustrated. Sometimes I think it's a good thing because sometimes uh-huh. players aren't making the runs and it's like you've got to show them that it, the run that they've got to be making and you're, that you're not just going to settle, oh, you're not making the run. Okay, I'm just going to make this lateral pass or this back pass and we're going to keep possession. At some, in certain moments, you have to put that pressure on your teammates. But in this situation, I thought it was the wrong way to go about it.
1: Yeah, he, he did force a lot of passes there. Thing about Bruno, it, yeah, he it was it wasn't one of his best performances. I thought he hasn't been as electric as when he first started. Um I mm-hmm. think that that's not really a stretch to say. He obviously started fantastic and I just think he's kind of faded here and almost it's almost like this culture's getting to him a little bit. He's he's kind of falling falling victim to it. He did kind of resonate the group, but how how far can that go when when you're inside this this room of toxicity? Almost they're so far behind. I think where everyone wants them to be, and again, I don't want to lay all the blame on oligona and Solshar because we can talk about their transfers and how much that's hurt them. Um, I don't think I'm not sure if this is obviously the group that oligona Gunnar Solshar planned on putting out, but it's just not there right now. Do, do I see a light at the end of the tunnel? Perhaps, but there's a lot of twists and a lot of turns to get there.
0: No, I hear that. I think we've made a lot of criticisms today. <laughs> I think on that note, it's a good time to go to our first award uh, of the match, and that that's the Beckham boot. Obviously, a lot of candidates for this one. We mentioned, you know, this being one of Bruno's worst performances. Tuan gets subbed off at halftime. We didn't even mention the yellow Tuan picked up, you know, United let Ba through for that first goal and then yeah. it looked like they let they were about to let him off a second time until uh Tuanzebe tugs him back. I mean that in there were certain referees who might who might have just given him a red for that. Oh yeah, I thought it was a red last man. I thought yeah. it was red. And so I thought he was lucky to stay on the pitch so Ole takes him off at at halftime, so he's got to be a candidate as well. Juan Mata, for me, is a candidate as well, just because of how much Istanbul were able to threaten down that right side and obviously had that giveaway that led to the second goal. Who would you say of those three, or do you have another candidate that should be there?
1: Uh, I'm going to kind of go a dark horse here, and it's not necessarily because of his performance, but more so just because of the opportunity that he had in front of him. And I'm going to throw mm-hmm. Dean Henderson into the mix there. Um, I don't think he had really much of a chance on the second goal. The mm-hmm. first goal, I thought he came out too quickly. And I know you're trying to close out that angle, but right. I thought Madich would have caught up to Demba Ba if, if Dean Henderson didn't come out fully. And if, mm-hmm. you, if you stay in your net a little bit further back, you might have had a shot at saving that, you know, because it wasn't really a well-struck well struck ball either um right. so I, i'm gonna throw him into the mix just because i thought he had an opportunity once again to put some pressure in david de Gea. after this match there's there's just no pressure right now
0: interesting interesting i think i would have to go with juan mata in this one i think again when i go back to the first goal yeah you can blame tuan zebe but i think that is shared with harry mcguire and nemanja matic and oh. so uh I won't be too hard on him for that. Obviously, he deserves criticism for the yellow. And then just in general, uh, his play was nowhere near the standard of what we saw against PSG, which I think raises an interesting question about, uh, of course, there's a way that PSG like to play. And everything is at the feet and on the ground. Mm-hmm. And the type of striker that Demba buy is where he's that hitman and you, he, he's going to hold the ball up and he's going to play deeper and he's trying to make those runs is that maybe more of a problem for Twan Zebe to tackle? And I think that's something that I'll be looking for going forward. Obviously, okay. I, there's no conclusions that can be made just off this one performance. right? But it's just a question mark for me now that I'm interested to see how he fares in matchups that are similar to this one. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, I, I, I think it's one Mata. I think when I look at Dean Henderson... I hear what you're saying, but ultimately I I would never think of Henderson to be blamed for that first goal, right? right. I I think of those three before I think of Henderson. Obviously there's a part that Henderson plays towards the end, but the primary blame I think goes to Maguire and Tuanzebe and Nemanja Matic. Absolutely. And then And then the second one that that was a cl- that, that was a lethal strike. Yeah. That was Yeah. Uh, so that so that was a tough one. So yeah, we, we can move on to then the canton collar. I don't know if there's anyone in a red shirt that deserved it. <laughs> so <laughs> we could, we, we, well, I mean, I guess they weren't, they were wearing their zebras today. So there wasn't a red oh, shirt. Oh man, that hurts <laughs> my eyes every time. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I think there's a few candidates here as well. There was Turuk on the left side, who I thought had a really good game. Bobo as well. On the, He was playing left back for Istanbul. Or, you know, maybe someone like Dembaba, who, who was a difference maker. I, I actually like Rafael. I, I loved his game okay. today. He was okay. in
1: on every tackle, like... Every time the camera panned to him, it looked like something different when it was in his eyes. He was he looked like someone that possessed out there and I felt like he he made some crucial point. Yeah, for sure, for sure. He had something that he had a chip on his shoulder playing against Oli there. I thought he 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 was he was made himself involved. He he was asked to play at various positions at different times. Obviously I think he started off at right back, but then we saw him shift over to like central midfield a little bit, playing that holding midfield kinda. Put pressure on on some of the united playmakers there and when you have someone as rugged as raphael coming at you it's not very fun to play against and i thought he he definitely did a good job there um we talk about you yeah, not having many chances i thought he did really good part um martin skirdle again is someone else i would highlight hmm. he did he did really well at the back there too um but obviously i think i think the award should go to demba just because he he did make the difference today with both of those goals. He he scored the first one, and he obviously set up with his dummy the second one.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a fair shout. Even though he faded in the second half, you can see he was exhausted. I mean, that's a tough role, right, when you're the lone striker up front. Yeah. Uh, But in terms of those first 60 minutes, he was obviously a big problem for United to manage. And, yeah, you would have thought this was the Chelsea or Newcastle demo, by the way he was playing out there. (laughs) But... Yeah, uh, no argument there. And then maybe for the long staff, long shot, we can go to a name that's a bit more unheralded. And so maybe that's where I can throw in someone like an Mbombo who is on that left side and helping out those uh, attacks on left flank. Yeah. Uh, who who, who, who maybe after that?
1: Yeah, I, I'd agree with you. Mbombo was good. Turic was also really good, as you mentioned there. Uh, Visca with that that finish was something else. Uh, out of the, those three guys, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Who who do who would you say?
0: I I I'd probably lean towards Turk because mm-hmm. again he he also played that ball across from the left that you know Demba Baba had the dummy for. Mm-hmm. So I think I'd lean towards him. Again, we talk about attacking and then also playing a role defensively. I thought he was all over the place. Yeah. for Istanbul. So I think I think I'd lean towards him. And I mean you kind you kind of have to be that way in a four two three one. For sure, uh, back and, and forth. So back and exactly. forth. Um, exactly. Yeah,
1: your wingers so. are asked to do a lot there. So yeah, that's a good show. I, I'm with you on that.
0: Is there anything else from this match that bothered you that you maybe want to touch on?
1: <laughs> I could just vent,
0: man. I could just vent. Yeah. <laughs> let it all out. But I mean, overall, this, is, this continues a trend for United in Turkey. United haven't won in Turkey since October 1996 when they beat Fenerbahce 2-0. They lost 3-0 to Fenerbahce in 2004, 1-0 to Galatasaray in 2012, 2-1 to Fenerbahce again in 2016. So, great stats. Not not a fun place to be. And honestly, the craziest of all, I was reading up on this some some more just because I had vaguely remembered some craziness, but I I I couldn't really recall much of it, so I went back to read up on it. United uh played out a 0-0 draw in 1993 for my time in istanbul Garrett pallister described that match as making anfield look like a tea party (laughs) and so they describe how when they arrived at the airport that there were fans flooding and they all had signs up saying welcome to the hell oh yeah so they kind of knew uh, what they were in for with that those turkish supporters are real they're real out there yeah, yeah, yeah. That so that that was uh, against Galatasaray, and just a lot of crazy stuff. Like Pallister had another story where, I guess he ordered room service or whatever, and he got to the door and was met by a bellboy, and when he smiled just to acknowledge him, the bellboy ran like his thumb across his throat, like in a slit gesture, <laughs> and so that that was the type of atmosphere. Uh, that they were dealing with. Lovely, lovely stuff. <laughs> yeah, and obviously now we have this result. No fans, obviously, uh, for this match. Solskjaer can't really hide because a week ago he said that with no fans anywhere, every every match is, there's no home uh, game, there's no away game. They're just like, you know, these right. sort of friendly matches. So he can't even hide behind that excuse. So. A tough one for him, a tough couple results on the back of what was looking like a really positive stretch for him with, with those big wins against PSG. It looks uh, like he
1: turned and, a corner. Leipzig. It looks it, like he turned it really a corner. Did.
0: It really did. But here we are, back in back in the abyss. Another turn, another curve. <laughs> <laughs> and so with that, let's just look ahead to the Everton match. Uh, that, that'll be coming up next, bright and early on a Saturday morning. Everton obviously looking very good under Carlo Ancelotti. Yeah, they've slipped up lately without yeah. James Rodriguez and had that most recent loss to Newcastle. But uh, it seems like James Rodriguez will be back for this one. Uh, Ancelotti has also said that Olsen will not be in net, that uh, Pickford will be back in net for that match. What, do you, what What have you made of Everton so far in the early going?
1: Uh, I thought their brand was was very exciting, uh, you know, very appealing mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. Uh, for an average soccer fan, especially just because that they, they did start to bring in some of the bigger names, and you know, it, it started to click. It starts with see Carlos Ancelotti there. James Rodriguez has done his part. Allen's been really good for them too. They they have a squad, and they're they're not they're not a, a fixture you should take lightly. Um, I think they're better at, than they were maybe two, three years ago even, because they did have some good seasons in them. But I think they're even better than that. And when they're healthy, they're they're a team that can give any team in this league some issues. So it, it'll be a big test for Manchester United. It's going to be an early one. It's a 7.30 a.m. game. So, you know, we love those.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, they're on the road, so... Probably that's a good thing for Manchester United, the way that they've been playing at Old Trafford lately. Um, yeah. Perhaps that'll inject something different into the side, but I think this team desperately need, needs a result right now to get back, you know, salvage almost the season off because it feels like the season's almost falling falling out of hand here because, you know, United can only fall behind so much.
0: Yeah, and the games come thick and fast, right? It's not like, you know, you get a chance to... Actually, you know what? Uh, now that I say that, I remember that after this Everton fixture, there will be a bit of a break. Mm-hmm for the internationals so maybe that's kind of that that kind of makes this more of a must win right like the last thing you want is the arsenal result now this result and then potentially a loss to Everton to head into that break
1: oh for sure that that coverage there if that happens Ollie's going to be under under the hot under the hot seat for sure I just look at the standings right now and you know United are already nine points back of Liverpool I mean they have a game in hands so let me let me state that but still that that's that's a gap and for them to make that up like That's what United should be aspiring for. That's who Manchester United are. They should be aspiring to be at the top of the league every single year. And you know, I'm kind of disappointed with the fact that we're settling for you know getting into fourth, third every time because
0: it's just, it's just that's not who
1: Manchester United are. That's not who I grew up watching.
0: So I've had a discussion with Carl about this where I don't look at Manchester United by their name anymore because I've said that. Until a football director is in place, I will not view their business as their ma- main priority. I already knew what you were going to say. Yeah, until uh, a football director is in place, business is their main priority. And that's why they'll be happy with the top four spot. And that, frankly, I'm not going to get my hopes up for nothing. And so right now, I'm just looking at Everton saying, hey, they've got that fourth spot. And so... <laughs> 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 you got you, gotta, you You can't let that gap widen. I think that is a good place to leave it. A reminder, we are on Twitter at Red Couch Manx. If you enjoy the show, we encourage you to subscribe and join us after every match. Let your friends know who might be interested. Uh, reviews and ratings are greatly appreciated. On behalf of Michael and myself, thank you for listening to Red Couch Manx. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, it
1: was a pleasure. Anytime, Vic.